Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks. Michael Zuber, one rental at a time, back with his, what day is it today? Thursday guest, Dana from Hemlane. I forgot what day it was, sorry. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> I only know what day it is because who I'm talking to. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm pretty lucky that way. Uh, so Dana, this is actually a topic, I, I don't think it's discussed enough. Um, obviously, I've always said being a landlord or being in real estate to people business, uh, because it's a people business, uh, sometimes uh, people uh, disappoint you or surprise you. And, and one of the things that happens when you're a landlord is some people want to just call and file maintenance requests. Sometimes they're tedious and sometimes there are true breakage. But, you know, how do you kind of track and monitor too many requests from one tenant and, and what do you do with it? What, what, I know this happens. What do, you, what do you think? Yeah. So the first thing is it's very difficult in the process of qualification. So when you're mm -hmm. finding and placing a tenant to really understand the personality of the tenant. And part of that has to do with fair housing, yeah. because when you go through and you screen the tenants, right, you'll do the background and credit check, you'll have the application, and then hopefully you're doing past landlord property manager reference checks. But the types of questions you ask, you can't say things like, did they open a lot of repair? Yeah. <laughs> you, like you can't that, ask that. You can't ask that. Um, you can say, did they have any lease violations? Mm. Um, that's objective because it's in the lease of, yes, they've, they've had some lease violations such as, um, you know, uh, they um, had a noise violation or something like that. That's yeah. okay because that's objective and it has to do with a legally binding contract. Okay. But the second you move away and get kind of emotion involved or things that suddenly become subjective, that's a problem. And the reason is, is because if you say, did they put in too many maintenance requests or how many did they put in? You're suddenly assuming that that tenant's repair requests were unwarranted or Correct. just, you know, where you have no idea. Maybe it was a really bad landlord who never did anything yeah. and the person moved in and it, the place was in Correct. shambles. Yeah. Um, and then, so you don't know. So you have to be very objective with those questions that you ask. And so when you get a tenant into the property, you know, I've seen it on both ends. I've seen situations where landlords are in the wrong I've seen situations where the tenant expectations should have been set, set better for the tenant. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I'll explain both. Sometimes when I see the landlord in the wrong, it's the tenants put in two requests or three requests and the landlord says, oh, I just want a tenant to be passive and they're putting in repair requests. Mm -hmm. And like, I just want to terminate with them. This is ridiculous. They should be doing this themselves. And it's like, mm -hmm. Well, you probably shouldn't be in this business. You yeah, it's probably not for you. Manager. Yeah, you should you should get a full service manager or get out of this business because mm -hmm. again, it's not about you of that. It's objectively saying, okay, what are the requests? How do I verify them? All of that. And then I've had the opposite where a tenant puts in like 5,000 requests um, to an owner. Usually it's via email and text message because it's super easy for them to do that. Pictures, this, 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 I want this stuff fixed. And it's usually someone who like is expecting a concierge service, right? Like they think they live in a hotel of like, okay, this little thing needs to be fixed. And, yeah. and that's where in this people business, you want to set these expectations up front. And then there's things to do when the tenant submits the request. So the first thing is to say in the, that move in of, okay, this is the condition of the property. Can we all agree upon that? And a tenant might say, oh, there's this little nick on the wall. There's this little, you know, scratch here. The carpet's kind of coming up a tiny bit here. Mm -hmm. If it's something that's considered discretionary, um, like that, that it's minor, it's cosmetic. It's mm -hmm. not something that, you know, is going to affect their ability. Yeah, to it's not health or safety. Health, yeah. safety. you can tell them, yes, I'll note that. 
And then, you know, in the future, maybe the next turnover or when we replace the carpets, mm -hmm. we'll definitely get that fixed. But like, we're going to note that, but it's discretionary. Yeah. So from that perspective, we're not going to fix it now. You're suddenly setting this expectation of like, hey, this isn't a concierge service. We're going to make sure that things in the lease, we 100% get on right away. We're very professional, but like we're we're not really going to be your maid service and come over and do this and that. So mm -hmm. that that's the first thing. Then the a second is when repair requests come in. And I think this is the most important is if you don't ask the right questions um, during that process, then you're basically setting yourself up for a lot of repair requests. And so, for example, in our process, we tell the tenants you need to um, put in the what it is, where it's located, like mm -hmm. a, a description on it. We also need photos. And if there aren't any photos, why aren't you putting photos in yeah. here? Right. Um, everything to go through that process and then really understand even troubleshooting. What have you guys done to try to prevent this from happening or what happened? Basically, really understanding that process flow. And then once the request comes in, setting the expectation right then of when they're going to hear back, you know, how long, um, uh, what, um, what the next steps are related to it, how, how it, how it works. But a lot of times, if you don't set those expectations of like, this is an emergency, we're going to jump on this and it's going to be dispatched in the next four hours, or this is not just as a heads up, it will be one business day. Then you're really setting those expectations. And then the other thing we do is you can only have one request per ticket. Mm. So like, and we will combine on our end, like if it's two plumbing requests, we're not going to send out two plumbers and have two service calls, but making sure tenants understand, Hey, you can't just give a laundry list of like 5,000 nitpicky things. Mm. We're going to go through each one and figure out if it's discretionary or not whether it's going to be fixed and um, really focusing on that process. Once the tenant gets that, even tenants who are really nitpicky with everything, because you do have detail oriented tenants, sure. which are sometimes my favorite because they're the ones who like really take care of the yeah. properties. Um, as long as you set those expectations both upfront and then when requests come in, mm -hmm. it only takes one thing to say, yeah, we, we saw that there was a scratch on the wall. We're not repainting. Um, you know, this was a condition upon move-in for a tenant to say, okay, my next request, I really need to make sure this is something that yeah. needs to be fixed. And so it's a people business. It's setting those expectations all the way from at the beginning to, you know, um, further downstream. Um, some things you can do to kind of understand if a tenant also takes care of the property is during the um, screening of the past landlord, you can ask, or I guess it would be two landlords prior of like, you know, security deposit, did they receive the full deposit yeah. back? That's objective. Um, those types of things to, to get a better idea. But that's the one where it's most difficult because it's much easier to qualify tenants based on can they pay rent? Yeah. Much easier than that. So, yeah. yeah. So my experience in this is, is a couple of things. And again, I've been doing this a long time. When I was first buying properties 20 years ago, I was, um, I don't know, I'll just call it, I was being cheap. I was doing Band-Aids. And Band-Aids typically don't stand up to full houses of tenants. They break a lot faster. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's why now I turn everything into a pride of ownership rental, right? I do the repairs once while it's vacant. It, it's just, it has proved to be more economical long-term than to do a bunch of band-aids after band-aid after band-aid. That's, that's something I've come to bear. So again, landlords own a lot of this responsibility because again, you're in the people or service business. 
Uh, generally speaking, I don't do band-aids. Don't recommend band-aids because they break. Number yeah. two, uh, I think a lot of this kind of, a lot of, you know, I, I get lots of requests. I would tell the landlord to check themselves first, right? I, I, I would assume it's my unit or my repair teams. I think too many, too many people naturally blame the tenant, right? The tenant, the tenant. Yeah. Now, sometimes clearly it's there, but I think there's still, it's, it's not always the tenant's problem, right? Maybe you didn't repair it right. Or you, you're the person who did. I mean, I've had people, I had a plumber one time repair the wrong line. I'm like, it happens. Right. But, um, you know, let's, let's not just always blame the tenant. I think it's yeah. just a natural thing to do that. But again, when you have a system like Hemland, you could document it, all, which is again, as I said, in video one, I wish I had when I was starting and I was doing everything on a Blackberry email, it was just impossible to tie a big bow together. And the other thing I, I, you talk about is the yearly or, you know, at least kind of communicating. I would also in the lease, at least all of my leases, they have a yearly walkthrough or a yearly I don't, know what, I don't know what they call it, but basically we check on the house. It's another point of contact to talk and document what's going on, right? You can bring the pictures with you for moving and say, hey, yeah, there was a nick there when we moved in, but now there's like a freaking line on the wall. What the hell is going on, right? So yeah. um, I love the yearly check-ins. And that's one of the reasons I left Section 8 for, uh, for my properties, because I actually have a third party going in and checking things. And they not only check me, but they check the tenant. And uh, it's nice to see that the list of things is not always my responsibility. Sometimes it's on the tenant. So again, a lot of stuff going on, but again, you are a landlord, you're in the people business and you are providing a service. Don't forget that. Yep. Absolutely. Very cool. Dana, where can people get a trial? Cause they should, they should pretend to be a landlord. I think everybody should pretend to be a landlord for 30 days. Where can they get it? Yeah, you can get it at hemlane.com, which is H-E-M-L-A-N-E.com. And definitely mention one rental at a time as well for 20% off your first year after yep. the 30-day free trial. Yes, of course. And then, of course, folks, if you want to have a walkthrough of the trial, you can get my free course, uh, which she created a PDF. And if you have the paid course, there's actually a video series taking you through the 30 days. So have fun with that. Thanks, Dana. Thanks, Michael.